welcome to another edition of the In Search SEO Podcast, where we paint the town red with search marketing insights. This week, we are going local yet again with the most electric personality within the world of local SEO, the great, the grand, the gifted, Greg Gifford, who comes to discuss from copy to images, how to optimize your Google posts, how to use Google posts to promote your business, and what mistakes you should avoid when working with the local panel Q&A feature. Plus, we talk all about the need for uniformity within the SEO industry. Hang on to your hats for this one. I am your host, Morty Oberstein. I am here with she who hates and lulls pop culture with a vengeance, Sapir Carabello. I don't hate pop culture, Morty. What are you talking about? You just hate my pop culture? Old. Old. Old pop culture. (laughs) I'm an old, old... At my ripe old age of 35. It's the first time I've been called old. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'll take it. I'm not saying you're old. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you like old pop culture. You know what I mean? And I do, because it's better than new pop culture. Like what? 1980s versus the Kardashians. Kardashians are not... They're not cool anymore? No. <laughs> uh, were they ever cool? They're not really pop. They're just trash. Okay. So at least we agree on that. Yeah. Do not forget, we put out a new episode of the In Search SEO podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on Spotify. And of course, you can find it on the Rank Ranger blog. And of course, you can subscribe on iTunes. So please subscribe on iTunes. Also, do not forget. Oh, no, wait. Rather, did you know? Little little data tidbit before we get started here. Okay, mm-hmm. The podcast feature that Google runs on the SERP, the new podcast feature that Google now has on the SERP. You search for a podcast, for example. You search for the in-search SEO podcast on desktop, on mobile. You get a little snippet or a rich result full of podcast episodes or a few podcast episodes. You can play them on the from the SERP, from the results page. That's great. That's great. So we started tracking it, and they appeared on just .0. Oh, one percent of all page one SERPs on desktop and pretty much the same thing on mobile. That's not a lot, mm-hmm. which makes sense because the only time it's going to show up is when you specifically search for a podcast. But did you know you can track this and you can track a whole lot more with Rank Rangers free SERP feature tracker. Good segue, huh? That's good. Oh, that okay. amazing. That's right. This includes SERP feature trends on the Explorer panel, which we just added. Uh, mobile, desktop, US, UK, Canada, France, Germany, Japan, Egypt, SERP feature data for everyone in every market for free. Amazing. It's a free tool, and you will find a link for it in the, in the podcast blog for this podcast episode. So there's that. Thank you, Morty. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, so before we get to a really, really fantastic interview with Greg Gifford, which, by the way, Sapir is filled to the brim with <laughs> 80s pop culture references, so get ready for that one. Oh, geez, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, by the way, the 80s are my favorite decade. Okay. Yeah, I just want to <laughs> say that for the record. I never, I, I Good never, to know. I have never had so much fun talking shop as I did with Greg. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. So hang I'm, in there, folks. I'm just so happy you found something, you know, someone to bond with and that actually appreciates your love for old culture uh, pop references. Old culture. Old oh, man. pop oh, culture man. references. Anyway, thank you, Greg, for taking literally that burden off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. I mean, hold on. Let me just have a sip of my insure and make sure my walker is in, in place. I don't want to fall that and break a hip or something because I'm so old. <laughs> yeah, you mm-hmm. do that. You do that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> as I was trying to say, I need to get something off my chest. Okay. Something is irking me. Something is bothering me. Oh, something no. is. Yes. Yes. Thank you for being so concerned. 
<laughs> You're welcome. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's really kind of you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, something is really bothering me, and I want to get it off my chest. And I want to talk about it, which means it is time for you to suffer through another one of Morty's pet peeves. Roll really calming music. Go. By the way, the music is basically like a like a to offset my anger. To, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, it's calm. It's pleasant. Because right. <laughs> I'm gonna get angry now. Oh. Are you ready? Are you ready for me to get angry? No, I'm not. I am. Me neither. I don't get angry so often. Um, okay. So something happened last week and it really bothered me. As I'm sure you know, and as we've mentioned, Rank Ranger is nuts about tracking surf features. We love them. We love all of them. Whether it be the knowledge panel, whether it be the, the feature snippets, whether it be breadcrumbs, we just love. We're gaga over surf features here. We love seeing what's new, right? And as you've, again, heard me allude to, we love tracking them. They're display levels. How often do they show up on the results page on the SERP? Okay. Now, you need to understand that tracking these SERP features and reporting on how often they show up, how often they appear, how many, and what percentage of page one SERPs they appear on is not easy. Okay. For one thing, it's not as if Google has like a giant sign that says, this is a featured snippet and this is an explore panel. Eat at Joe's. Right? Separating out which feature, in other words, okay, separating out which feature is which when they're so closely related is not easier. And I want you to just close your eyes, think about the mobile SERP for a second. Because on mobile, sometimes you have a direct answer. Right? You search for when was the Declaration of Independence signed? And it says July 2nd because it was actually not signed on July 4th. July 2nd, 1776. Good to know. Yep. And then underneath it, attached to it, is a knowledge panel that tells you all about the Declaration of Independence. Okay, so you have a direct answer sitting right on top of a knowledge panel. So is it a direct answer? Is it a knowledge panel? Is it both? Is it neither? If it's both, do you count it one time as a direct answer? Do you count it another time as a knowledge panel? That would be ridiculous and that would be absurd. So you probably don't want to do that. So it's complicated, okay? And it's not easy because there is no standardization, which I'm going to get into in, in a moment, okay? Wait, so what happened last, last week? Uh, okay, a lot of things happened last week. Um, wh- where, do, where do I start? One of my kids... Oh, no? You no. mean, oh, with this. With this. With this. Okay, yeah. you got to be more specific. <laughs> okay. With this. Okay, so last week, Dr. Pete over at Moz, who's one of my favorite people in the industry, he caught a spike in knowledge panels with attribution. Attribution? Yes, attribution. Attribution is another word for a fancy word for a link. In other words, there was a feature that looks like a knowledge panel, but it has a link like a feature snippet, and it sits on desktop on the right-hand side of the page where a knowledge panel sits, Okay. So there's a classification problem right there. Is it a feature snippet? Is it a knowledge panel? Is it something else in- entirely? Okay, so we here at Rank Ranger call it an explore panel based upon what the HTML that Google has presents to us. Okay, we didn't make this up. Okay, so Dr. Pete said he saw more of them, meaning more SERPs, higher percentage of SERPs with explore panels or knowledge panels with attribution, which whatever you want to call them, which is a problem. I'll get into that. Okay, so he saw them on about 2 or 3% of page one SERPs which is exactly where we have them. So what's the problem? Why is this bothersome to you? Oh, patience, patience, dear Watson. <laughs> okay, forget, no patience. We live in a now world and we have immediate gratification. I, my, when I grew up, side note, my parents were like, you need to have delayed gratification. I was six. I didn't know what delayed meant, nor did I know what, de- what gratification meant. Okay. All I know, it meant that I wasn't getting my Game Boy now. I don't like delayed gratification. Let me just tell you now then. That's my point. Delayed gratification is traumatic for me. 
Okay, I got yeah. it. Mm-hmm, get it? Okay. So, <laughs> so, Search Engine Land did an article about the sudden increase in Explore panels or knowledge panels with attribution, showing that, yes, according to Moz, they're appearing on more SERPs, and they asked me to comment about it, and I said, well, I don't see a spike. I don't see what Moz is saying. I don't see a spike. And it came off as, as like we or as if I were contradicting Dr. Pete and questioning his data and blah, 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 which is the total opposite of my intention. Okay. Mm-hmm. First off, let me say this in unequivocal terms. I am not, nor will I ever question the veracity of anything Dr. Pete says. Actually, based on some of his tweets, the personal tweets, I may question one or two things, but the data, definitely not. Okay. Right. right. And, and, and there was, okay. The, secondly, I had no intention of calling him into question whatsoever. Okay. So that's my pet peeve. Okay. Right here. This type of stuff is complicated. Okay. It's not just like, oh, we track SERP features and Moz track SERP features. It's it's not, and we all, you know, as if to say, we all have the same data and everything is hunky dory. <laughs> That's a good word. I like hunky dory. I should use it more often. Oh, God, please yeah, no. Yeah, I'm going to add that to my notebook. Please program. no. Hunky dory. Just up there with willy nilly. You know, I, I love willy nilly. It's a great word. It means, you know, like random. It's all hunky dory because it's willy nilly. Okay. <laughs> it's not like, okay, we both track SERP features. I'm back on target. Stay on target. Stay on target. Where's that from? Star Wars. Stay on target. Why would I know that? Because it's Star Wars. It's not like we track surf features, Moz track surf features, and it's exactly the same. Everything is, you know, copacetic. Okay? There, the, there's a divergence in our data sometimes. Okay? They might have a display level of this for one surf feature. We might have that surf feature at a, at a different display level. And that's crazy, right? I mean, you have to ask, how is that possible? <laughs> How is that possible? How is that possible? <laughs> because we track different data sets. Duh. Okay. Moz tracks a data set, if I'm not mistaken, that's focused on high volume keywords. In other words, things that you are searched for very, very often. Okay. The normal, or not the normal, bad word. You'll see why in a second. The, the things that you and I search for most, and they're looking at data based on that. Whereas we look at a more normalized set of keywords. When by normalize, I mean, yes, we have some high volume search queries, things that people are searching for often, but a lot of the times, right, a lot of the keywords we have in the data set are not keywords that are high volume keywords that are always being searched for. But when you do a search, for you to use Google, when you use search, sometimes you're gonna search for like pizza near me. And that's a very, you know, high volume keyword. But you also might search for something like um, best wham song with the word Bob in it. Okay, obviously there was no wham song with the word Bob in it. Or you might search for um, best character in Endgame whose name is not Tony Stark but is the Hulk. Okay, no one's searching for that. Mm-hmm. Okay? <laughs> Just throw Endgame in there again. You probably haven't seen it yet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know me too well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's queries. For real, okay? You might search for like, you know, best way to report your taxes if you're currently under investigation by the DEA. Okay, no one's searching for that, but that's a query that one or two people might search. It's a query that you might search for if that's your situation. Those are normalized keywords. Those are keywords that are not being used a million times a day, but they are out there in the ether because people do use these keywords. How do we know people use these keywords? Because we're taking them based on use. Okay, anyway. So what I'm saying is Moz has one type of, of, of data set. We have a different type of data set. And there's no one, right, no one right way to go about this. There are advantages to using a high search volume data set. And there are disadvantages. There are advantages to using a normalized data set, including, that includes keywords that people use 
that are not super common, and there are disadvantages to doing this, okay? And on top of that, as I mentioned, it is not easy. It's not easy. It really isn't, okay? It's not easy to classify some of these newer, I'll call them the hybrid SERP features, Okay, they're hybrids. They're, they're a direct answer on top of a knowledge panel. They're a feature snippet that looks like an, a direct answer, right? The direct answer being where Google just tells you the answer without any URL. Okay, so you, what's, the, what's the weather today in New York City? It's 73 degrees. That's a direct answer, okay? But sometimes that's tacked onto a knowledge panel, like I said. So it makes it very hard to classify these things. So we may classify something as an explore panel, but that could also be classified because it looks like one, like a knowledge panel, or it could be a feature snippet because it has a URL in it. Okay, and because there's no uniformity here, it becomes even more problematic. And that is really my second pet peeve. It's a pet peeve within a pet peeve. It's like when they're when you're watching TV and on TV, the show they're watching TV. It's like TV and TV. It's a pet peeve within a pet peeve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Your reward for my pet peeveness is an insider's tidbit. Oh, you ready for it? It's, (laughs) It's a juicy one. So good. Okay, Can't so wait. a while back, I sent a, a spike in the PAA feature that people also ask. People also ask, if you don't know, it's a box that usually has four questions, and you you can open up the it's expandable tabs. You can open up one of the tabs, you see an answer there, and it dynamically loads. You just hear question after question after question after question, and it's really cool. So I sent a, a spike in them, There's meaning that there was there were more of them on more search engine result pages than there were previously. It's a while back already. And I sent it to Barry Schwartz saying, hey, check this out. Did you know this? And Barry goes to me, why do you guys call these PAAs, these people also ask features, related questions? Why don't you call them PAA or people also ask? Yeah, why not, Morty? Oh, because in the HTML, that's what Google calls it. So it says people also ask on the actual SERP itself. Like the box is headed by a title that says people also ask. But the HTML in the code, Google refers to them as related questions. Okay, so people use both. We call them related questions. I think Moss calls them related questions. Barry Schwartz calls them. People also ask. Okay, and that's annoying. That's really, really annoying. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, wait, 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 wait. In the search engine land article, okay, on the Explorer panel increase that I was telling you about, where we didn't really disagree with Dr. Pete, it's much more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have Dr. Pete calling these things knowledge panels with attribution. You have us calling them Explorer panels, and search engine land called them Explorer cards. Okay, so this is my um, this is why I'm upset. I'm upset. Okay, you have three different authorities. You know, I'm gonna call us an authority. We, we are. are. We, we are. are. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah! Right. <laughs> we have three different authorities on the matter calling these things three different damn things. Damn it, Jim. Okay, three different. We're calling it Explorer panels. Surgeon Atlanta is calling them Explorer cards, and Doctor Pete's calling them knowledge panels with attribution. Okay. But do you know what the real problem is here? Why don't you enlighten us? Oh, I will enlighten. <laughs> I will enlighten. I On my tombstone, that's what it said. It's going to say. That's what it says. So I ain't die yet. That's what it will say. He enlightened. Amazing. It probably won't say that. It probably says some nastier things. But anyway, okay? I will enlighten you. Okay. Okay, and we're going to go full-on Hulk mode. Okay, rip shorts, bulging muscles, and that's just how we look every day. Okay. Now, the problem... <laughs> The size for the gut. But yeah, okay, the, the problem here is that there's not that, okay, the problem here is that, that not that there isn't a consensus. Is that a double negative? Okay, the problem is is that not, I see, too many negatives. Too many negatives. Morty, you were an English teacher. You should know better than this. 
The problem is that lack of consensus. The problem is not that I'm calling it explore panels and, and Dr. Pete's calling it knowledge panel with attribution. And it, the problem is not that search engine land is calling it explore cards. The problem is, and I'm going out on a limb saying this, is that there really isn't real communication within the SEO industry. You look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> talking about lack of communication. Do you know why? Why? Because okay, I, don't, I don't count Twitter as a conversation. Okay? What I'm talking about is having the leaders in the SEO industry okay, work on classifying Google behavior, okay? You know, such as search feature classification and, and really beyond that, okay? Coming together and, and, and having a real conversation about classifying these things, okay? Almost like, um, almost like going to Yalta and hashing it out. Yalta? See, pop culture, I can excuse, okay? But as a former history teacher, you get an F. <gasps> Oh, Yalta, on. as in the Yalta conference, as between FDR, Churchill, and Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe? Uncle Joe. That's what FDR called the murderous maniac Stalin. Oh. Yes, but okay, so Yalta is basically where they, where they, by the way, Churchill hated the fact that they called him Uncle Joe because he thought FDR underestimated Stalin, which he did. Mm-hmm. You don't care. I don't care. Oh, it's really interesting <laughs> stuff. And basically, the whole way the world is, 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 is structured now because of this. But okay, yeah, no big deal. Let's, let's just talk about the Kardashians. Let's instead. move along. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Yalta, what I mean by Yalta is basically a place where after they, they all three leaders sat down to figure out what the world is going to look like after the war of Germany. Okay, that's what I'm asking for within the SEO industry. Okay, we need a Yalta. Okay, we need DPM, said FDR, Dr. Pete Myers, Winston Morty, and <laughs> Uncle Barry. Oh, wow. Got, I got all the names, so that's it. Okay, to sit down with others, obviously. obviously. I don't have any names, good names for them, but we'll come up with good names for them. Uh, and decide, okay, X feature, that will be referred to as an explore panel. Obviously, choosing our, our reference for it. Obviously. The, obviously. Okay, or this new feature that looks like a direct answer and a knowledge panel, we're going to call it a knowledge panel so that we can offer the industry information that's a bit more uniform. Okay, because now for, for the reasons I mentioned earlier, such as different data sets, okay, it's never go. Let me, let me, let me, let me take a step back here. Just because I'm, I'm, I'm saying that we should standardize how we refer to things in the SEO industry, how we classify things in the industry. That doesn't mean, by the way, that the data that you have from the different tools, us, Moz, whatever, is going to be uniform. Because again, you have things that are going to differentiate like the different keyword data sets that we're using versus what Moz is using, okay? Right. So you're never going to have your pure uniformity, but at least you'll have a foundation, right? We're not going to call it attribution knowledge panels. We're going to call it explore cards. Or we're going to call it explore, right? This is going to be a knowledge panel, not a feature snippet. So at least we'll have some sort of foundation because now it's just, I, I, every, I'm calling it this, he's calling it that. And, and it's a problem because people don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I have a thing now where people, I like to ask my podcast guests about Google's um, domain authority. Everyone thinks I'm talking about the Mosmetric domain authority, which I'm not. Okay. There's actually a great interview with Distilled and John Mueller where they talk about the way Google looks at domain level metrics. That's what I'm talking about. But we have no real way of referring to these things. What do you mean domain-level metrics? What are those? Domain authority. It's, a, it's the same concept, but no, but domain authority is something else. So everyone's talking. I, I've literally had have guests on this show, and, I, and, and they answer me as if I'm talking about domain authority, the, 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 the private metric. Hmm. And that's not what I'm talking about. I have to correct them. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, so there's obviously a communication problem. Okay? Our, our founder, Shai Harrell, refers to having an SEO union. 
Okay, so call whatever you want to call it, an SEO symposium, whatever. There needs to be some kind of way to create some sort of standards here. It's a little bit, it's, it's, at, it's out of control to a certain extent. I know it's like, it's not out of control, it's really impacting your life so badly. But it, it is to a certain extent, it's much more complicated than it used to be. It used to be, yeah, future snippets and that's it. Okay, now you have all sorts of, you know, weird, mangled, discombobulated, mushed up SERP features that are a little bit of this and a little bit of that. So it is a little bit out of control. By the way, by the way, by the way, I am not, I repeat, I am not talking about standards of practice for the SEO industry. Okay, that's something totally different that I do not want to touch with a 100-foot pole, let alone a 10-foot pole. Okay, I have no interest in solving the world's problems like subfolders or subdomains. No, subfolder, no, subdomain. I'm simply talking about how we refer to things, like, a, like a, an SEO glossary for the industry of sorts, okay? And to me, obviously, yes, everyone standardized practices, but the first thing you need to do is understand whether or not we're on the same page of what we talk about in terms of the terms, how we refer to things. You can't have standard or practice when you can't even agree if it's an explore panel, explore card, or a knowledge panel of attribution that's nuts. Okay, Whew. okay but yeah. chill out, slow down. <laughs> Take it easy. Have a drink. I'm scared. Maybe a smoke. Because as Bill Murray said in the great movie, What About Bob? Baby steps. Baby steps. Okay. Baby steps. <laughs> I think that's it for now, yeah? yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want my face to freeze in an angry scowl. Too late for oh, that. I end up being like Batman. <laughs> okay. My face will look like Batman. Oh, you wish. I do. <laughs> well, which one? Because I don't like... like Michael Keaton's not so attractive to me. Not like, Michael Keaton. Okay, Val Kilmer. Uh, what's his name? Christian Bale. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I take that. Okay. No, that. no, like you don't. Look I don't want. Like I, I, I don't look. <laughs> I, I know. I said I would like to look like that. I obviously don't look like that. That's my problem. <laughs> Just making sure. I'm not saying I'm unattractive, <laughs> but I am not Christian Bale hotness. Although he's a big jerk, so forget that. Didn't we agree that you're yeah. like the Hulk? Already. Yeah. Why are we talking about this? Okay. 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 You've been waiting for it. I've been waiting for it. We've all been waiting for it. Get ready to sort out all things Google posts and Google Q&A feature goodness from the great Greg Gifford. Cut one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a very special In Search SEO podcast interview. I want you to put your hands together for the only person I know who can make Encino Man work as his lead slide for a presentation at one of the industry's biggest SEO conferences. You already know who I'm talking about. He is now the VP of Search at Wikimotive. He is Greg Gifford. Welcome and congrats on the new gig. Hey, thanks for having me. I am excited. to. I mean, Encino Man was probably my favorite movie as a, as a young teenager. I don't, remember, I don't remember when that came out even. It's all a blur. I think it was 91. Oh, I was even younger than a teenager then. Okay. Hold on. I got to Google it now. <laughs> I My favorite scene is still when he's like, he's like 92. drinking the slushy. Uh, 92, my brother was born then. Okay. He's drinking the slushy out of the thing, out of the spigot. And the guy's like, don't waste the <laughs> <Yeah>. juice. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, my and, God. You know, you know what's great is, I, you know, I always do the movie theme on my slides. And... I've, that's the first time I've ever used that as a title slide. Usually that's kind of my subtitle slide when I'm talking about links. And right. it's always funny when it pops up because, you know, there'll be several hundred people in the room and like 10 people laugh. So, you know, <laughs> those are the cool people that right. saw Encino, man. I mean, you're like a pop culture freak. I don't mean freak in a bad way. I mean, like you are freakishly into this. 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really into movies. I love you. I love it. Like ridiculously into movies. Okay, so then can I? Can you indulge me for a second? Sure. All right, nice. Either either of these or all of these, okay? Favorite 80s movie, but not Star Wars, because that's not really an 80s movie. Or favorite oh, 80s easy. band, favorite 80s song, favorite 80s wrestler. Easy, easy, oh, okay. easy, easy. Okay. Um, oh, gosh. Okay, wait, <laughs> what was the first one? Well, you, you listed off so many. I'm like, I know, oh, I know. I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, favorite 80s movie, but you can't do Star Wars, because I don't count that as an 80s movie. They Live. Say it again? They live. Ooh, okay, okay. Roddy Roddy Piper. I came here to <laughs> Roddy Roddy Piper. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, I love Roddy Roddy Piper. Okay, I was more of a macho man and uh, Jake the Snake kind of guy, but uh, oh, and Ultimate Warrior. Can't forget Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, favorite 80s okay. band? Wham. Ooh, really? Yeah, it's okay. a bold choice, I know. But uh, yeah, I, I was a massive Wham fan. All right. Uh, that's one, of, one of my greatest re- regrets in life. Is that I never got to see Wham play live. Oh, really? Yeah. Sorry, and man. Everybody listening to this podcast right now is like, <laughs> "Wow, I thought this guy was cool." It's cool. Before. So, like, I am a big '80s music fan. I mean, I like. I'm, I didn't grow up. Right, I mean, let me preface this. So exciting to talk to you about this stuff. I'm a big classic rock guy. I like Dylan, The Doors. My STP is my favorite band growing up. But I have a, like a secret indulgence for '80s music. What's that? Oh, all and, and Cindy Lauper. Um, yeah, Tears for yeah. Fears, any Depeche Mode. My I wife, love Depeche Mode. I love Depeche Mode. My wife thinks I'm the biggest loser. I'm I'm a big '80s hairband guy too. Really, Poison, that kind so, of thing. I, I dig Poison. My favorite actual band of all time. Like so, it's kind of tough because Wham was like massively huge in the '80s for me, but like late '80s in the hairband phase. I really got into Lillian Axe, which nobody's ever heard of because it was kind of a smaller regional thing, but they were awesome. Okay. Uh, I'm going to check them out then. Okay. Wait, and then wait. I was a big Warrant fan too. Okay, so we have one more question though. Favorite 80s song? Ooh. Oh, that's a hard one. I, I was thinking about this myself. See, that's really hard. The, choose I, one. It doesn't be the favorite, but a favorite. Oh, man. It's tough. Marie Haynes is going to kill me if I don't say wake me up before you go go. Because <laughs> she and I always laugh about the fact that we're the only ones that will admit that we love Wham. Oh, that's good. So that's it. That's your answer. I'm going to take it. Uh, man, it's like the the perfect cross-section of 80s pop. So yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to have to go with that. Now, in five minutes from now, I might completely go off track and say Oh, wait, no. I thought of this one. It's got to be this. But I, for now, I'm going to go with that. I was doing the same thing this morning when I was writing this question up. Yes, I, I get it. Okay. So that's it. Interview's over. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Local SEO and 80s. Right, right. If you want to succeed at local SEO, you have to be an 80s wrestler who loves hairbands. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's go deep inside of Google Posts and the Q&A feature. Because Google Post fundamentally, let's talk about that first. You're you're writing, and when you write everything you write, there's a different way for writing whatever it is that you're writing. For Google Posts, is there a particular way of writing that works for Google Posts, or is it meh, whatever, just write whatever you want to write? Uh, it's definitely important. A lot of people only pay attention to what shows up in the full post and not what shows up in the thumbnail, and you kind of have to approach the thumbnail view almost like. Uh, display ads or AdWords where you've got to write something compelling 
that will grab everyone's attention so that they'll click on it to see the full post because who cares if you're going to use your full 1500 characters if only the first you know 100 ish are going to show up or even uh you know a lot less than that shows up depending on which post type you choose so you've got to be really really thoughtful and consider what shows up in that top you know sentence or two because that's what's going to be in your thumbnail and that's what's going to get people to click on it yeah i'll tell you i i'm guilty of that i totally forget this is the second half to the post that you yeah. can actually you can actually click on it and see a whole stream of awesome posts right right exactly on, on this, on the flip side of that, right? So you have you have your your text, your copy, and you have your images. And I know there's a, there's a ton of debate. I myself have seen a, a gazillion different recommendations of what size image you should use. But I know you have a real solid recommendation. Can you enlighten us? Yeah, we. The the problem is when posts first rolled out, it was a different dimension. So a lot of people, you know, immediately went out and wrote blog posts and did videos and said this is the size, and no one ever really came back and updated it. And the, we did a lot of testing once they've changed it. And now the ideal size is actually 1200 by 900. Uh-huh. That, okay. That, that's it. So that's, that's the best thing that's going to fill the window and, you know, is the closest to what's going to appear so that you can kind of have a little bit more control over what's visible after it crops. Right. Okay. Let's keep it going rapid pace. So moving away from copy and, and, and images for a second. There was a survey that went out. I think it was in April at some point. Barry Schwartz, I think either he did it or someone else didn't. He posted about it. I can't remember. But about um, whether or not Google Posts impacts ranking or not. Yep. And there was a whole big split. And Google, of course, there's nothing in there that says that it does. But what's your what are your thoughts on that? Does it? I don't personally think that it does. Uh, this is something that's kind of been debated a lot. There are several local SEO top experts that say that it does influence ranking. I actually used to say that it did, but after we've continued to test, I don't think that it does. I think maybe there's a possibility of if you happen to be a business that has fairly good visibility in search and you're doing consistent posts and your competitors aren't, then there's the behavioral factor of you're getting more clicks on your Google My Business profile and more clicks as a behavioral signal leads to a little bit better ranking. So I, I don't think it's a direct cause, but it might be related in the fact that it's causing that additional interaction, which might lead to a little bit of a boost in visibility. But I don't think it's specifically because you're using posts. I think it's only if you've got posts that are getting a lot of clicks right okay so it's an indirect ranking factor no one cares i get it i'm joking <laughs> yeah yeah i we've, we've done it so much there's definitely a, a bunch of people that we've done posts for that don't get any clicks and we don't see any difference in ranking visibility so uh, and, and you know it could be constrained to particular verticals who really knows but i don't think anybody's been able to definitively prove that hey we're doing posts and this is leading to better ranking. right well if if there if there were we would all know about it i would assume so I guess not. Well, and yeah, and then everybody would go do it, and then it would break anyway. Right. So. <laughs> In typical SEO fashion. Yeah. So let me, let's talk about conversions for a second, because there are so many CTAs now that you have available to you. The Google's increased the availability of all different sorts of, of uh, CTAs you can add to your Google posts. Are there some that are more effective than others, or when should you use one over another? What's your general advice with those CTAs? Well, the CTAs really kind of depend on what your messaging is in the actual post. And that's going to depend on the type of post template that you're using. 
So there's four different post templates and there's positives and negatives about each one. We tend to like the what's new post best because that gives you the most text and thumbnail view. Mm. Any of the other post types, you're going to lose a line of text. Well, first of all, you lose a line of text whenever you throw in a CTA button. Right. So you get four lines of text if there's no CTA, but you're silly to not have a CTA in there. So we always want to put in a button, which means you're going to get three lines of text in the what's new post. In the other ones, you're going to have a title and a date range or a title and a price range, which results in one single line of text, which like we said a couple of minutes ago, you have to be really cognizant of writing something compelling and that's tough to do with only a few words. So, you know, sometimes there may be a reason that you want to have, you know, the, the offer and the date range, but most of the time you want to use that one post type that is going to give you the most visible text, which gives you three lines. And then when you're choosing your CTA buttons, you can put, um, geez, let me think off the top of my head. There's an order online, there's a buy, there's a book, there's a sign up, there's a call, and there's a learn more. So it really just kind of depends on what you're looking for. You know, typically we're using the learn more button because, you know, just before I switched jobs, I was working exclusively in automotive. And, you know, maybe you might want to use a book because you're wanting them to try to schedule a test drive, but book doesn't really make sense. It's not the right terminology there, so right. we didn't use that. You're not going to order anything online or buy anything online from a car dealership, and you don't really want them to call you directly off of the post because you want to be able to use the call tracking. So typically, we're using Learn More. Uh, and then I've been doing posts for other uh, random businesses I've worked with, and I, I kind of like Learn More best because you're, you're teasing them with the Google post, and the little thumbnail view and you know they click into it maybe they read it maybe they don't but i don't like using 1500 characters i like a quick you know condensed here's why we kick ass and click the button to learn more or here's why this offer is amazing and you can save all this money click here to learn more and then it gets them to a landing page on your site which then you've got full analytics and you can see what they do and track what's going on but you know there could definitely be situations where you know, call now might work or sign up might work. And then that sign up button leads them to a, just a lead form on your site. So again, it kind of just depends on what your messaging is in the post. So I have two questions for you based on that. One is, let me ask this one first, I guess. Do you, do you know, or do you have any data on, are people clicking through in those posts or they just scroll through? Cause I'm a bad example. Cause I'm just doing this for, I just look at posts for the sake of SEO and what's going on with Google. So I never really click on anything, but do users actually click on it and see the full stream? Yeah, it, again, it really depends on what you've got in that thumbnail view. We've got, or I say we, uh, I don't work there anymore, but with the, <laughs> the company I just left, uh, you know, we had some dealers that were getting, you know, 50, 60 clicks a week wow. on posts, you know, and it really depends, like I said, on your messaging. And we figured out that, you know, sharing a blog post or anything generic and fluffy doesn't work. Mm. And people won't care. But if it's, you know, an oil change special or a tire rotation special or, you know, fluid change or, you know, whatever specials running at the service department. So it's a, hey, here's a limited time offer on something that you need. Those those get clicked and people will click it and then they'll read the full details and then they'll click through to the site. So, you know, when I say 50 to 60 clicks, that's 50 to 60 clicks through to the website. Right. So, you know, there's there's no way to really tell how many people actually clicked the thumbnail to view the full version, but that's 50 or 60 people a week that are 
clicking to view the to view the full version and then also clicking through to the website so you gotta assume that there's a bunch more that are at least viewing the offer no that's pretty decent that's definitely pretty decent i, I think it's I, I think it's pretty awesome i mean you know when we're talking you know if you've got 50 or 60 people and you're getting a conversion or two a week out of that uh, that's killer because it's like free advertising and right you know we all we all know that people don't sit down and just go to the first go go do business with the first business they find. You're going to compare the business to various competitors and look at reviews and look at all of those different factors to decide where you want to go. And if you're the only guy doing Google posts in your market among all your competitors, it really helps you stand out. So it's a no brainer to do. And it's right. There's not, there's not exactly a lot of output there. You got to write a little post, got to put a little image there, put a CTA, and then you're done. It's not like you're spending hours yeah, writing I mean, this. It's not you, Faulkner. You streamline that process. It's less than ten minutes a week to put up a post. Right. So it's it's a pretty good. I mean, you're getting a hundred people coming to your site, whatever. Fifty people for ten minutes worth of work. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The second question I wanted to ask you was you're you're talking about the the learn more button. Do you find in general? I know obviously there's going to be particular cases where it does or doesn't work better, but is this more of a top funnel element? Are you really going to get people to buy something based upon your your Google posts? Or are they really just going to oh, research yeah. more, learn we've more? Had people, you know, like I said, we've had people click through for for those service specials. We've found that promotional offers work best. You know, there's you got to think of the fact that your Google My Business listing is your new home page. All of the people that used to go to your website to get your phone number, to get your address, to read testimonials, to look at pictures, they can do all of that within your Google My Business profile now. So they're you know, it's it's a perfect example of zero click search. You get all of this information in your Google My Business profile. A lot of the times, people checking out your Google My Business profile haven't even been to your website yet, and may not even ever go to your website. So it's a great place to push out those promotions to say, "Hey, wait, check me out a little bit further. I've got something awesome for you." Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I very rarely go to a local website at this point. Just, I mean, if I want to see a product, it's in the local panel. If I want to see a phone number, I want to, if I want a book. It's in the local panel. Yeah, I mean, like for a car, you're gonna right. go check yeah. out the car dealer That's site because it's a massive purchase and you got to do research. But for for smaller dollar item things, like a lot of times, you're right, you don't have to. And they're adding the book button and they're adding the reservations. And now you you know you can skip Open Table and just book a table straight through Google. So there's not as much reason to go straight to the website anymore. So that post is another way to grab a little bit more of that traffic back from Google and get it over to your site. But it is early funnel traffic typically. It's, right. it's people haven't even been to your website. You know, If you've got a promotional offer, maybe you can push them through the funnel a little bit more quickly. But it's typically, you know, ah, you know, for car dealers, it's gonna be a little bit later funnel because you're typically not looking for a dealership until you're ready to buy. Uh, and you're trying to figure out where you're going to buy from, but mo you know most of the time it's really early funnel because these people are just they're they're just on Google. They haven't even gone to your site yet. Yeah, and I, I think we're still a little behind the curve on realizing just how powerful that actually is. Okay, I, I think yeah. so because so many businesses don't even know what they no, are. No, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. There's so much you, for the the very fact that you don't create Google posts. And we'll talk about the Q and A feature in a moment. That you don't use the Q and A feature. Those are two places where you can put your own content right on the SERP. So why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, exactly. It's it's literally it is a direct interface with the back end of Google to give Google specific information about your entity. So knowing that Google has moved to entity-based search, you hear this at so many conferences, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Now Google's doing this. And then you get the local SEO guy going, hey, you can use Google Posts and Q&A to feed 
entity information directly to Google. And then people still don't use it. It just blows my mind. <laughs> it is amazing. Okay. So speaking of that and not utilizing these features at all or to the way that they should be, I don't see a lot of video content in Google posts. And I'm just wondering why that is and will that pick up? What's going on there? Uh, you know, they just changed it. Oh, I, mean, I guess it's been a while it's now. a few months, I think. Through the year. But yeah, they changed it at the end of last year where you can drop in Google or drop in uh, video to the Google post. Right. It's kind of cool. It's a little bit tougher because when you're dropping in a still image, you can really control what's going to show. And when you drop in the video, you just get that little still image with a little play button on it. So it's I don't think visually it stands out as much. And, you know, they're they're kind of cool, but I don't think a lot of people realize you can load a video in. And I just I, I really have yet to see a really great implementation of using video instead of really compelling text and a good image. So before we move on to the Q&A feature, anything else we should know about Google Post? How to, oh, you know, wait, I'm, I skipped something I wanted to ask you, actually. Forget that. Events. So you have a okay. So there's a type of a post called an event, and you. Generally, Google Posts stay for seven days, but an event is a little bit different. If I'm not mistaken, it it stays up as long as the event is is relevant or something like that. But you don't recommend going for the longer stay on the on the on the within the local panel within the carousel. You say you shouldn't do that. Uh, you know, it depends on what your event is and what you can write about. So again, it comes down to you're going to get three lines of text in the thumbnail version above your call to action link because that button looks like a link in the thumbnail version. If you use the event post or the event post type, you get a title for the event on the top line, a date range on the second line, and a single descriptive line on the third line. People like it. So like, let's say you're doing truck month at your dealership. You can say, you know, this month is truck month. And then it lasts from the first to the 31st. And then one little line of description. And then I'll learn more so people can see what the specials are. Okay, it's cool because you can have a title that says truck month. And, and the difference is you can separate those three lines because character breaks don't show up in the thumbnail view. If you use line breaks, they'll work in the full post view, but it just mashes everything together in the thumbnail view. So you can have those three separate lines of an event title, a date range, and a descriptive line. But if you've got an image that says truck month in it, then you can say, you know, limited time only truck month just runs in the month of July and blah, 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 and have a little bit more compelling text if you're going to use all three lines. Mm -hmm. And then... You know, the post lasts for seven days, so you just remember to go back seven days later and put the post up again. Oh, there you go. So, you know, it just really depends on, again, you, we really say you have to approach it like AdWords. Maximize your possibility of getting clicks by putting the best text possible in that thumbnail view. So if you can do that using the event post type and you only have to put it up once, then great. A lot of times you could probably write more compelling text if you have three full lines and you're creative about what image you use. Cool. Okay, so now I'm ready for this question. What else do you recommend? What else do you consider? What else do you think about when when creating Google posts? It's really important to understand where the image is going to be cropped. The biggest mistake we see is people loading in, you know, as car dealers, they're loading in, it's truck month, and they put in a picture of a truck and half of the truck gets cropped <laughs> off. Or people are putting in images that have 
you know, text only, like it's a review or, you know, a text, like it's a title that says truck month and half of it gets cut off. So you've got to be really careful with the image crop because it doesn't really crop consistently. It's not a center crop. Like most people think it's slightly above vertical center. And then the crop is different between desktop and mobile because the, the image size is different. And even you can put up a single post and then you can come back and look a day or two later and the crop will have changed. So it's super, super wonky. Wow. So you got to be really careful with what's in your image and make sure that everything that's important that needs to be seen is visible once you upload it. So basically it's touchier than my mother-in-law. That's what you're trying to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) My wife doesn't listen to this podcast, by the way, so we're good. (laughs) (laughs) So we're safe. Yeah, we're safe. (laughs) Okay, so let's move on from uh, Google Post to the Q&A feature. Let's do the same thing. We asked about Google Post. Was it important to consider linguistically? New type of format, new type of content, new situation. What's important to think about when you create the very copy? Because you can create copy within the Q&A feature. You basically have the opportunity to create your own FAQ. But linguistically speaking, what sort of copy should you be thinking about? What should you be considering? Uh, You want to make it as easy to read as possible. You don't want to be incredibly verbose. And like you said, that's the biggest bonus is that you can put in your own questions. And a lot of people still don't realize that. And they're only going in, if they're even aware of it at all, they're only going to go in and answer questions that come in from the community. The biggest benefit is that you could put your own questions in and make a pre-site FAQ page. Because again, like I said, this is your new home page. People aren't going to your website to read your FAQ page. So you could put it in there. And they just released maybe a month, month and a half ago, they just released a new feature that as you go in and start to ask, and this is only on mobile so far, as you go in and start to ask a new question, as you're typing that question in, it will auto-suggest answers based on is that similar to another question that's been answered or similar to something that has been in a review in the past. So again, you're feeding information into Google's database about your entity. And in the future, as people go in to ask the questions, instead of having to ask a question that gets asked a million times and wait for an answer, Google's going to feed that answer to immediately because you've already put that answer in before. So it's really powerful. Yeah, and it's amazing how it go. It still slides under the radar. I mean, we're months into yeah. this. I don't get it. I, I, my hands are up in the air. I don't know. You know, we did a, a research project kind of thing uh, last year. Well, this year on questions that came in the second half of last year. And I think it went through February of this year. So it was like eight months of time looking at a bunch of dealerships. And it was, I can't remember off the top of my head, 640-ish questions asked. And then we kind of bucketed those questions into what the question types were. And one of the interesting things was of all of these different dealerships, 642 questions asked, 40% of those questions were leads. Wow. Wow. That would have, that, that would have resulted in sales if they had been answered. But of the 642 questions asked, only two or three of them were actually answered are you serious? by the business because most people don't know that these questions are out there. So, you know, that's, you know, I, I suck at math, but 40% (laughs) of, you know, 40% of a hundred is 40. So times six, right? 240 leads, you know, basically 240 ish leads that just got dropped and left out 
in the ether because nobody was paying attention to the Q&A for those dealerships. But I'm a little confused, and I don't want to digress into this too much, but don't these sites, don't these businesses have SEOs that they work with? And why don't these SEOs know about this? Well. Or not? Uh, yes and no. Okay. So businesses that don't have SEOs makes perfect right. sense they wouldn't know. But, you know, it's crazy how many SEO agencies out there that do SEO, and they do good SEO. They know what they're doing. They just don't do local SEO. Mm -hmm. So you're not paying attention to, you know, Google My Business as much as you should. You know, you're, you know, if they're going to conferences at all, they're not going to the local SEO sessions because they don't think they need it. So there's a lot of people, you know, any, any agency or any individual that does marketing for a business that has a physical storefront where any of your keyword searches are going to pull up that map pack, then you should be doing local SEO for that business. Yep. But there's a vast multitude of people out there that do SEO and digital marketing that still don't know what local is or they've heard of it and don't <laughs> think it applies. So they just don't know. And if you're not paying attention, if you're not you know, following the right people on Twitter or listening to the right podcast or reading the right blogs, you're not really going to know what the Q&A is or that it's there at all because most people don't look at their Google My Business panel. They're just looking at the dashboard in the back end. That's why it pays to do vanity searches. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I want to harp on something you mentioned a second ago about um, the auto-suggest in the Q&A feature. I heard a rumor that Google's slowly moving towards only showing reviews there. Does that make sense? Or, or, or is that, is that uh, bad? I have not I have not heard that rumor, and I don't think it makes sense. I think the Q&A is way too powerful. There's way too much there. Uh, you know, and obviously it's kind of a crowdsourced thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, you're, you're expecting anyone in the community to answer, but obviously it's better when the business owner answers. I don't think they're only going to show reviews there. I think it makes sense that people asking questions as it's doing the autofill, it might – you know, change priority and be more likely to show information that came from reviews. But I think, you know, if, if you're asking a question and there's nothing relevant in any of the reviews, it's obviously going to have to feed from whatever answers have been put in for similar questions. Right. Okay. So with that, other than not knowing about the feature altogether, um, which is likely, what are some of the biggest mistakes you've seen made with executing a strategy when trying to engage with the feature so mistake number one not loading in your own questions that's a big one there's a ton of businesses and marketers out there that know about q a and pay attention to it they just don't upload their own questions so that's a massive mistake second big mistake is not knowing about the way that answers are populated in the results the upvote system right. is going to determine what shows as the primary answer. So whenever you're going through and you know you click, you know, see more and you're reading all of the questions and answers, it's going to show a question with a single answer and then underneath that it will have a link that says, you know, six more answers, 15 more answers, 100 more answers, whatever it is. The answer that shows as primary is the one that's gotten the most thumbs up. So just because you know, hey, this question got asked and I go put my answer in as a business owner, doesn't mean that your answer is going to show as the primary answer. And perfect example of this, I was doing a presentation at Google headquarters for Chrysler dealers in Austin last year. And I, I always try to use local examples whenever I'm doing presentations in various cities. And I had gone through and found some good examples of questions and answer stuff. And one of them that I showed was a dealership that had a, a question and 
the answer was don't go to this dealership. It sucks. <laughs> it's horrible. And then it had six more answers. And then if you look at the six more answers, the dealership had an answer and the dealership's answer was great. But the problem was the answer that showed had one thumbs up and none of the answer had thumbs up. So after I was done with the presentation, a guy came up and said, oh, my gosh, I work at that dealership. Oh. What do I do? Oh. And I said, oh, and I said, it's easy. And we just grabbed three people in the crowd and had him go log into Google and go do a thumbs up on his answer. And five minutes later, his answer was the one that was showing. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, the big mistake is you've got to make sure that you're paying attention and ensuring that your answer is the definitive answer because it's got the most thumbs up. Okay, so precisely because of what you did in that conference, how long is that going to last? How long before Google realizes that's what people are doing? Because you did it at Google. Uh, well, I mean, but it's there for a reason. You know, it's it's like, it, it's again, like I said, it's a crowdsource feature. It's, it's literally, if you really look at the documentation on Q&A, it is not... A, a process to ask that business a question and get an answer from that business. That would be a chat feature, a messaging feature. This is literally a community discussion of, hey, I'm asking this, does anyone know the answer? And anyone in the community can answer. So it makes sense to have the ability to upvote those answers and say this, you know, Google knows there's going to be, you know, hundreds of answers possibly if it's a really popular entity which answer is the most helpful answer because you don't want customers to have to, or users to have to sit there and read through, you know, tens, twenties, thirties, hundreds of answers. You want the best answer to the question and the community is going to decide that because it's a community feature. All right, that's a great point. I totally, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, oh, you're manipulating Google. Google doesn't like that. But truth is that you're probably the aberration. In most cases, the most popular answer is the one that's been upvoted by actual people who are doing it organically, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, like my favorite example is the London Eye, uh, the big Ferris wheel that's on the Thames River in London. Sure. And and a, another thing people don't realize is questions can be upvoted as well. Oh, that's cool. So if a question if a question gets three upvotes, it will show up natively in the Google My Business panel. So instead of just seeing, hey, here's questions and answers, it'll show that most popular question and answer in the panel. And so this question has been upvoted enough that it shows in their panel. And it says something like, you know, hey, do you have to wear a helmet when you ride the London Eye? And the answer is you don't have to, but you can if you want to. I, I believe that Viking helmets are the most popular choice. <laughs> so it's hilarious. That's hilarious. And the question's been upvoted a lot because the answer is funny. So people are liking it. And then obviously there's a hundred. I mean, last time I looked, there's 140 or 150 answers to that question. But that one's the funniest one that's gotten the most upvotes. Oh, that's great. So that's what shows up. That's great. I love that. That's great. Okay. Before we move on to a little funny bit that I that I do, I got to ask you. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. And this might be an annoying question because I'd probably be annoyed if I got asked this. Google my business monetization. So, of course, there was this famous survey that went around that seemed to imply that pay-to-play is coming in some sort of way, shape, or form. Uh, to me, at least – a lot of the things that Google's done recently, um, adding in more um, abilities to showcase your products, um, adding in the reserve with Google functionality to the local pack, those sort of things, build a certain dependence on Google's local SERP features that could, in theory, be looked at as a way of paving the road for Google My Business monetization. Like, I need this. I need to showcase my feature. If my competitor is going to have you know, their reservation features show up in the local pack, I need to have one too, so I'll also pay in. 
Are we off the mark on this? Is Google My Business Monetization not happening? Is it happening? Is it a big deal? Is it not a big deal? What in the world's going on? I think I'm safe in saying it will happen at some point. I've been saying that for five or six years that at at some point they're going to start charging for certain features. I don't think it's ever going to be pay to play. I think Google My Business will always be a free feature, but I think that there will be a paid upgrade route where there will be certain things that you can pay for to enhance your profile. Will these things happen? Some of them definitely for sure. Uh, I I mean, I remember all the stuff on the, on, I think there were like 20 things that they mentioned, 20 features. Right. There's a lot. Five or five, five or six of those features already exist in the wild. They're already there for the, the hotel vertical. So it makes sense that, you know, hey, Google says, look, this is working for hotels. Why don't we roll this out to other exactly. businesses? Exactly. Because hotels have been the paradigm you know, for how many years? Really, two years, something like that? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, some of the stuff's pretty outrageous, like, you know, get leads from your competitors' profiles. <laughs> like, that's that's, hilarious. that's absolutely nuts. <laughs> I don't think that'll ever happen. You know, pay to remove ads from your yes. profile. Yes, that that really it was vague because it didn't really say what kind of ads they were talking about. Now, if they're talking about competitor profile ads, like, hey, we're going to advertise your competitors if you don't pay us. I don't think Google's going to go down that route. I know one thing that a lot of people have trouble with is, you know, if you're a business, let's say you're a, a restaurant and you have a Groupon deal going while that Groupon deal is live on your Google My Business profile, it will show, hey, look there's a Groupon special right now that you can click on. That's not really why you're doing Groupon. If people are looking specifically, you know, doing a brand search for you, they're going to come do business with you anyway. You don't want to give away that extra discount to, to, to the customers. So it might be, you know, right now, the only way to remove that is to cancel your deal with Groupon so that it doesn't exist. This may be, hey, you can pay us a, a, a minimal fee to have that not show up in your profile. That's what, okay, that makes that's sense. That's the most rational explanation I've, I've heard about that so far. I, I think that might be the case because there's a lot of different things. You know, Grubhub, for example, restaurants freak out because it shows Grubhub, but, you know, you're paying 15, 20% or whatever the cost is to Grubhub for all those orders. So I, I can't remember the exact story, but there was somebody I was talking to that worked with a restaurant and all of a sudden they their click-throughs from Google My Business just dropped off massively. And at the same time, their Grubhub orders went up exponentially. And it turned out that Grubhub link was showing up on Google My Business and people mm-hmm. were clicking there because they were familiar with Grubhub and they could get it delivered and do all that. But then the restaurant was losing money because those people would have ordered from the restaurant anyway. Right. So I think that might be a feature. You know, there a lot of people are talking about the whole paid support feature. You know, you could pay a, a fee and get support from Google. Okay, great. It's not really going to be support like a digital market marketer is helping you. It's going to be support like here's how to use the dashboard, or you don't know how to answer Q and A. Here's where you go to answer. Right, it's going to be documentation so links. It's going to be very, very basic support. It's very likely that it's going to be outsourced to overseas because if you really think about it, it's just not feasible for Google to staff something like that. That you know, even if businesses are paying twenty five, thirty bucks a month to have an entire call center dedicated to providing real support. Just there's no way the money works out. I don't see how that's going to be possible. So, you know, some of them, some of them are likely because they already exist. Some of them are just completely wacky and will never happen. And some of them, you know, who knows what will go on. 
So something you said made me think, and I've been wondering about this for a while, and my last question before we get to the next little bit. If, if the hotel local result on the SERP is sort of the paradigm in, in many ways, and, and is one of the first ways that Google has sort of initiated this whole new, you know, upgrade after upgrade after upgrade initiative, Google has sort of thrown competitors into the hotel local result. You have all sorts of, once you put the price insights in, so now you have all sorts of comparisons to other hotels, right? Hotels similar to your hotel, yeah. right? If that's the paradigm, is that coming to other, to your regular local business? I think it depends on the vertical. I think, you know, obviously with hotels, it makes sense. Google can make a lot of money by doing that. Uh, you know, for your local dry cleaner or coffee shop, I don't know that anything like that would ever happen. Restaurants, maybe. I, I, I really think it just depends on the vertical. And, you know, it, it's always been the kind of thing where Google's looking at it and saying, is this something where it makes sense where we can make money off of it and the businesses in that vertical are going to be willing to pay for it? And does it also make sense to the users that are, that are on Google? Cause as much, I mean, you got to look at the side of it as if you're a hotel, you hate the fact that it's going to show your competitors. Yeah, sure. But as it, but as a user, if I'm going to go travel and I'm using that interface, Oh heck yeah. Heck yeah. I'd like, I'd like to see that. That makes sense to me as a user. Right. So, you know, what's what's great for the user isn't always great for the, the, the end goals of the business. Right. And that that's sort of the sticky point. Okay. So I got to do this. I have a little bit that I do. I call it optimize it or disavow it. It's basically if you're a regular listener, you know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to give you either two really good options and you're stuck choosing one good option and leaving another good option aside or two really crappy options and you're stuck choosing one really crappy option because it's a zero-sum game. This is awesome. the Greg Gifford edition of Optimize It or Disavow It. Okay, so you you can only do one, zero-sum, that's it. And assuming this paradigm, what's the lesser of two evils? A horrible, disgusting, revolting image in your Google posts or a ridiculous, unaligned, out-of-left-field CTA? If you had to do one, which would you do? Oh, if I had to do one, I would do the completely out-of-left-field CTA. Yeah? Yep. Because the image has more visibility? Yeah, I mean, if you've got just a ridiculously off, awful, horrible image, that's probably going to really hinder you getting any clicks. Or it's definitely going to drastically reduce the number of clicks that you're going to get there, where a bad CTA isn't necessarily going to hurt you as much. Uh, I, you know, definitely wouldn't hurt you as much as a bad image, because if you've got a gorgeous image and a really compelling description of the three lines of text there, or, you know, it's truck month and you have a killer shot of an F-150 driving through some mud and you're an <laughs> F-150 fan and you want to go drive through some mud too. And it says truck month and it's the month of whatever. And, you know, come in now for great deals. And then the thing says, you know, book now or something <laughs> stupid, right. you know, okay. I'm not going to book now because I want to see which truck I'm going to buy, but I'm at least going to click on it still. So I think that the bad CTA isn't going to hurt you for getting clicks as much as the bad image. You won't even get people to click through to see the full post if you've got just a right, ridiculously that's true. awful Unless image. it's so bad, it's good. Yeah, but so bad it's good is not the question you ask. <laughs> that's true. 
It's my show. I can change the name of the game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greg. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. This was awesome. Should definitely do this again at some point. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. You fun. got it. Bye-bye. And we are back to your regularly scheduled In Search SEO podcast. How great was that, by the way? So good. So good. When it hits the lips, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, those great local search insights, local search insights, and great 80s pop culture trivia not lead. So well, not yeah. the 80s part, but the local search part leads right into our Rank Ranger SEO community question of the week, which up here is... What is the biggest, baddest, most awesome local SEO tip? Ooh, the one tip to rule them all. <laughs> right? Like Lord of the Rings. Right, you got right. that? Right? I got that. I see. I feel like I'm killing it for our audience. I have to explain, like, you know, maybe she doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm going to get beaten up so bad after oh this. Oh, my God. Okay. By the way, right? So, again, what is your biggest, baddest, most awesome local SEO tip that you have for us. One tip to rule them all. And you can find the SEO community question, the Rank Ranger SEO community question on Twitter. You can find it on the Rank Ranger Twitter account. It'll be on my Twitter account. It'll be on the blog post that harbors this podcast and so forth. Okay. Before we hit it with the news, let us reflect and meditate upon last week's community question where we asked you how you would best deal with spammy listings and fake reviews. Damn those fake reviews. And you had this to say. And ironically, by the way, the you was actually you. I'm looking at the I'm looking through the glass at the larger Rank Ranger office. I got spammed. You did? I got spammed. My Google Doc that I create for people, real people, okay, to answer questions, to answer the community question with, mm-hmm. was spammed by the Rank Ranger team. You guys all thought it was funny. This is not a joke. I take this very seriously. Mm-hmm. But some of the answers are actually pretty funny. Yeah, okay, okay, one person wrote, <laughs> this is pretty clever. He's like, change your business name to 24-hour plumber to deal with fake listings, mm-hmm. even if you're not a plumber. Hilarious. Now, that is funny. I thought that was funny. Um, someone else who identified as anonymous team member wrote, there's nothing to do. You're screwed. Great. Thank you very I much. Like that yeah, very good. Was that you, Ann? No. No? All right. I'm going to find out who this is because this is not, this is not okay. You guys all, a lot of fun. A lot of fun with Morty's poll question or you know community question. I get it. This is not a joke. This is to my Rank Ranger team here. I love you all, but this is a serious podcast. Right. We don't fool around here. We don't. Nope. Never. Oh, by the way, Itamar Blauer again suggested about snitching to Google. Itamar. Itamar, the snitching thing, dude. It's very surprising. <laughs> I was shocked. He's like, yeah. And he even wrote. He even wrote. You should snitch to Google. No, he didn't. He's like, you should go tell Google about it because there's not much you can do. And he says, it's not really snitching. It's good snitching. <laughs> All right, Itamar. We still love you. Yeah, we love you. Okay. He's coming on the podcast soon, by the way. Yay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let's keep things rolling right along here because we don't want this episode to be two hours long. One is enough. Okay. So, Pierre, can you do us the honor, the wonderful honor of hitting it with the news? <laughs> Uh-oh, Google showed a knowledge panel without a link. Test or bug? Google said it was a bug. Phew. Yeah. Phew. No overreaction from the SEO community here. Oh, all of a sudden there's no link in the... Oh, everyone must be Google on purpose trying to take over the world and kill everybody with their attribute list. <laughs> Feature snippet. Also known as a direct answer. 
but it was within the organic result. It, it wasn't a direct. It doesn't matter. Okay, doesn't matter. everyone overreacted. Mm-hmm. That's my point. Okay, something you know, take it easy sometimes. Have a beer. <laughs> okay, I overreacted by the way. I freaked out. <laughs> I like talking like as if I'm like, I am the bastion of calm. I totally freaked out when I saw it. Go ahead, keep going. I'm sorry. I'll make a job. Okay, have a Google my business question or problem. Yes. Get oh, you line. weren't asking me. <laughs> I Sorry. wasn't, Morty. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, get in line. A long line. Google has ind- indicated that it has a backlog of two to three weeks. You know, when you have a backlog for answering questions, you think maybe it's time to hire some more people? Mm-hmm. 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 Let's move on. Let's move on. Yep. Another yep. <laughs> Google bug to Search Console. The coverage report sh- uh, was showing a 10-day delay. On June 25th, Google said the bug was fixed and would investigate the matter. Did they get back to the community? No. I was, it was a rhetorical question. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. By the way, you should know that that, that data is always delayed two days. So it was an eight-day lapse. But yeah, eight days still sucks. Anyway. Mm-hmm. My, my... Can I continue? Yeah. 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 yeah it's yours. Okay. Yeah, Thank you. Uh, okay. <laughs> Google says the mobile SERP favicons do not appear on every browser. For example, they do not appear on Firefox Mobile on Android. Ooh. By the way, as much as I hate favicons, like at least be consistent about this. It's like annoying. They go, here I got to think about the favicon. Here I don't hate. I still can't believe you hate favicons. I I, we had a whole podcast episode about this, and my, know, my reasoning just, is sound and logical. You're breaking my heart. You, okay. you just like images. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You're just, you're so? fall, you're falling for the shiny thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so? As long as you admit it. Okay. All right. Okay. Search Console will now tell you if either the mobile or desktop Google bot is crawling your site. With that, Google will tell you the exact date it switched from using the desktop bot to the mobile bot. In other words, you can now tell if you are now being indexed on the mobile first index. So that's good. That's awesome, actually. Good job, Google. Okay, we got one more story. Google will no longer use social profile markup to decide on the social profiles that should go into a knowledge panel. Yeah, so that's interesting. They're going to do it automatically. If you claim the knowledge panel, like you claim it. It's like like it's the moon. We claim it in the name of America. You can suggest to Google which profiles they should use. But even if you do claim it, and you do suggest there's no guarantee that Google's going to do what you want them to do, which is thematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you very much for the news, Sapir. Welcome. And as your reward, oh God. Yes, another nonsense question to deal with. Yay. Another nonsense question for you to deal with. Come on. They grow on you. No? Not Come really on. Nice. Really? <sighs> Nothing? Even a little bit? The fun SEO said no question doesn't grow on Last you? week was good. Last week was good? Yeah. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Okay, so here it is with your fun SEO send-off question. Okay, so speaking of social profiles, this is, you know, we're talking about Google won't use your social profile that you suggest even if you claim a knowledge panel or or through markup, they'll decide on their own, right? So speaking Mm -hmm. of social profiles... If Google had an Instagram account, if Google had an Instagram account, you know, Instagram, you all know Instagram. Well, if Google had an account, what would be the first image it would share? Oh, come on, Morty. Uh, yes, come uh, on, Morty. I don't know. I'm just going to be lame. 
As opposed to? <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> I will say that Google would probably upload a story and, you know, um, Google would tag Bing and Baidu maybe and maybe caption it with uh, me and my girls. But it'll be shady, you know, like, you know, those girls that tag their friends in photos, even though they're the only ones who actually look good. So it's going to be something like that. I'm 35. Oh I'm married and I have four children. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have no clue what you're Clearly talking about. Clearly, you don't watch Kardashians, Kardashians, okay? No, Clearly. Okay. To me, the Kardashians is part of the OJ story. Would you ever know? Did you know that? that their father was OJ's friend and lawyer. Really? You never, I, I just blew your world. <laughs> I just blew I your world. Fo- see, you follow them more than I. I didn't follow but you. you had, I don't if have, you were living back in the 90s, you knew it, just, it was OJ everywhere. We've never talked about OJ in the podcast before. I know, OJ? I know. Okay. Oh, speaking of OJ, oh, oh, that God. that by the way, that flowed perfectly. I did not plan that. <laughs> that flow was so good. Okay. In honor of OJ, OJ Simpson, not orange juice. Obviously, when I say OJ, you mean and you know I mean OJ Simpson, the murderer. I mean a football player. <laughs> um, allegedly. Allegedly. Okay. In honor of OJ Simpson now having Twitter. Yes, OJ has Twitter. I saw it. And there are more people following him now than did when he was driving that white Bronco. I had you're, to say it. You're following him, right? No, I am no? not following okay, him. Oh. oh no, please. <laughs> I did. I, I commented on him. Like I, I, I trolled him a little bit. Okay. I did that because I, I, OJ's not my favorite person on the planet. I do not like him. <laughs> okay. So OJ now has Twitter. Okay. And and with Google, Google's being accused of, of showing um knowledge panels without attribution. Right. We just mentioned that was a bug. Mm-hmm. So in honor of Google being wrongly accused of things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like OJ was, of course, wrongly accused. Wrongly. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm going to say it puts out on Instagram an image of O.J. Simpson wearing the gloves in court saying, if the gloves don't fit, you must quit. So funny. Because it was yeah. innocent. It oh, didn't actually roll out that image, that attributeless You're so snippet. So funny, Morty. So clever. That I thought I was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't? No. I'm going to go I'm gonna go in a corner and cry now. <laughs> and that's how we're going to end off this episode of the Insert SEO Podcast. Tune in again next Tuesday for an all-new episode. Until then, it's in search because we're all in search of something. Thank you. Thank you.